Super Bowl weekend continues on the Kenny and JT show this Friday afternoon. Great day outside. And we're talking Browns football as we always do every Friday afternoon with Scott Petrack from brownzone.com on Twitter or X at Scott Petrack. Scotty, how you doing today, brother? Good. How you doing? Bet you're itching to get out there on the links today, aren't you? <laughs> I got nine holes in yesterday. Did you? How's the track? It was, it was wet. I bet. Still a little muddy. Actually, I walked in the first like twenty steps. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm sinking!" And then it must just have been a, a low spot because after that was all right. That's outstanding. You know, down around these parts, what they've opened up is a bunch of those simulator places. They're everywhere anymore. Yeah, I haven't. Been, I mean, I've been to some of those before. I haven't been this year, um, but I have hit balls outside, and then I uh, played yesterday. So I need this weather to stick around. You know, it's amazing too. One of the things. We always talk about is the fact that the Browns are always in the headlines somehow, some way. And let's just start right here. Oh, you know, I wanted to start with this with the stadium thing. I'll get to that in a second. But your thoughts on the NFL honors last night and what we consider a Cleveland sweep? Yeah, I mean they went four for four when they had the, in categories where they had a finalist. You know, I expected Miles Garrett to win Defensive Player of the Year. I wasn't, you know, I didn't think it was guaranteed because T.J. Watt was really mm-hmm. good this year, and I. You know, better, just if you look at the straight stats, better numbers. But I thought Miles Garrett was so dominant, especially early on in the season, for the best, or the number one ranked defense in the league. I thought that would carry over, and it did. And it's a, you know, it's a breakthrough for Miles Garrett. It's his first time winning the award, uh, something, you know, he's aimed for since he was drafted. So that, I thought that was big. Kevin Stefanski, I expected him to win. You know, I did think it'd be it'd be close with D'Amico Ryan's. I didn't think it'd be as close as it was. They had mm-hmm. the same point total, but Stefanski had one more first place vote. And then I was surprised by the other two. Jim Schwartz is assistant coach of the year. Didn't deserve it, uh, but you know, I thought there were other coaches that maybe would get more love. You know, the Mike McDonalds of the world that wound up mm-hmm. going on to become a head coach. And then, you know, I, I thought it was stunning that Joe Flacco got the war, comeback player of the year over Demar Hamlin. Just because everything Hamlin went through to right. take the field again, uh, I, didn't, I didn't think Flacco was going to do it. And especially because, you know, Flacco said at some point, what did I come back from? You know, right. it's just a matter of nobody wanted mm-hmm. to play for a while. It's not exactly, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird one to define. Mm-hmm. I just thought there was no way that. Hamlin wouldn't get it, so I was shocked by that. You know, it's one of those things. Geno Smith wins it the one year because of the fact that he had been benched or whatever. It floated around the league, and then all of a sudden has a pretty decent season. But again, with the Flacco thing not playing an entire season, and DeMar Hamlin coming back from death, it's just amazing to me. Maybe they should just call it something else. I don't know what you do, but my biggest concern here is the fact that who makes these decisions and who votes on these awards? Well, there's 50. It's a panel of 50 media members and they somebody put out a list today i think it was, it's an associated press award so the associated press comes up with the voting panel uh somebody from the associated press put the list out today but it's mostly people you would know it's the peter kings of the world yeah. and, uh, mike florios and mm-hmm. you know i think there's former players on there i don't know if kurt warner's one but i know there's former players on there so it's big time nfl people there's a few, there's maybe a handful of writers from cities, right? Somebody from Milwaukee is on there. There's nobody okay. from Cleveland, nobody from Pittsburgh. Really? But generally speaking, it's national media members, whether it's on TV. Like, I think Jim Nance is one. Um, okay. 
you know, like, so it's mostly national media people. So people I respect, it's not like a million people have votes like the Heisman. It's not, you know, it's, I think it's a quality panel, and that's how they voted. MVP of the year, Lamar Jackson. Would you consider that a Heisman Trophy winner? I mean, I know he won the Heisman Trophy, but, I mean, would you consider that award in the NFL equivalent to a Heisman Trophy? It's a good question. Um, I guess, I mean, I think it's the most equivalent. You know, I, I, the Heisman the Heisman feels more, I don't know, kind of cherished. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's a reverence okay. that comes with the Heisman. Okay. Just because of all the popular circumstances since I was a kid, right? Not that there hasn't been MVP, there has. But there's something about the Heisman. You know, maybe it's just mm-hmm. the name. Uh, but, you know, there's people that win the Heisman that can't play in the NFL, right? That right. you don't hear from again. That's not the case for the MVP. If you're the MVP of the NFL, you earned it. And that's an incredible list to be on. And to win it twice, like Lamar Jackson, right. you know, I mean, that's that's heading to the Hall of Fame material. He's the only two-time winner that hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, though, I heard. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got the, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, uh, you know, I think Favre won a couple, Peyton Manning, right? So, um, yeah, that's interesting. You know, who knows if he'll get one, but he played at an unbelievable level this year. Peyton Manning, five. Aaron Rodgers, four. Tom Brady, three. Brett Favre, three. Mahomes, two. Warner, two. Steve Young, two. Montana, two. And Lamar Jackson now, two MVPs. He's the only one on that list without a Super Bowl. It's amazing yeah. to me. It's interesting. Yep. Scotty Petrak is our guest right now from brownzone.com. Scotty, the big news yesterday is the fact that the Browns in this stadium, what are they going to do? Yeah, yesterday felt to me like posturing on both sides. You know, I was mm-hmm. told that they haven't purchased that land near the airport in Brook Park. Uh, I'm sure they're in discussions. It feels like trying to leverage the city because mm-hmm. they haven't gotten the deal they want, you know, and there's there's so many factors that go into it, right? It's the land bridge, it's the development of the lakefront. You know, it's not just a stadium issue, and is it renovation versus new stadium, you know, all those kind of things. There's a ton that goes into it. Um, but I think the organization, the bronze organization, is frustrated by everything that's going on and the mm-hmm. politics of it. And, you know, why can't there be, you know, why does it take so long to get a land bridge? And why does it take so long mm-hmm. to figure out how downtown's going to look, and why does it take so long to figure out where they're going to put the stadiums? They're going to be in the same spot. Like, so I, I think there's a lot of hoops they have to jump through, and then there's the financial part of it, right? Right. It's, you know, the city doesn't want to pay for everything, and then the Browns certainly look at around the world, around the country, and see other other owners get their stadiums largely paid for, right, mm-hmm. with public money. So there's a lot of that, and then I think when you reach a point, you're like, okay, well, let's you know, I'm not like threatens too strong a word, but you know what I'm going mm-hmm. trying to get to. Well, we could go somewhere else, and maybe we could circumvent working with Cleveland or whatever it is. Um, so that's what it felt like yesterday, and then the city of Cleveland responded how they want the Browns downtown. So, um, you know, I would, I, I think I would still expect them to stay downtown. I mean, they've always mm-hmm. been on the lake, right, since they were here. Uh, it's centrally located. People say, like, oh, what's the big deal? Well, you know, the farther you move away from Cleveland, then it gets – you know, it's a farther drive for people on the east side. Or, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's Cleveland just makes sense to me. Um, and, uh, you know, the park's a lot closer to where I Right. So it, <laughs> I'm not saying like a personal standpoint. I, you know, I lived in Brook Park for a while as a kid. But I, I, I just personally like the idea of Cleveland. And I think 
they should be able to work something out. Well, the one thing, I, I see both ends of it, too. I see both sides, both arguments, if they are even at that stage yet. But I also saw that they're they're making $1.1 billion for the city of Las Vegas. Now, I'm not comparing Cleveland to Vegas, but as far as the economy is concerned, I can't see how the city of Cleveland wouldn't want to put in to have a stadium there. Maybe dome it. You've already got the casino. You weren't going to get a Super Bowl. You might. You may never get one. But if you got a Super Bowl in Cleveland, we've already had the Republican National Convention. We get in the Final Four. We've had World Series games there. Everything you can imagine, we can host. But a Super Bowl, and you're not going to get one unless you build, in my opinion, a domed stadium, and you've got the casino right there. I don't see how it's, this isn't a slam dunk. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I don't have a super strong opinion on whether or not there should be a dome. I I, I get the point. If you told me that. The events that this city could host would jump, you know, exponentially. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, then that makes sense to me. You know, I also see the hey, this is you know, play football outside, and that's how you grow up, and that's how you watch football. Like I, I completely understand that argument. It's meant to be played in the elements. It's better on grass, right? And mm-hmm. I think it should be played on grass. And there's no, it, you know, doesn't seem to me like, you know, they're rolling in grass in Vegas, and they did that in Houston and Arizona at certain points. But I don't know if you can roll grass in here when it's. You know, <laughs> negative 30, right? So right. it means you're playing on turf, which I don't love the idea of that because it's not as good for the players. So I, I see both parts of it, but the only way to me it makes sense, mm-hmm. the dome, or the reason it would make sense is because you can attract all these things. But can you really get Super Bowls? Can you really get yeah. Super Bowls? Mm-hmm. Do you have enough infrastructure? Is a hotel situation enough? Right? Like all those things point to it. If you have one Super Bowl, does that make it worth the billion dollars that the city has to put up for, right? Because mm-hmm. it's going to cost the city a ton of money. And yeah, people are going to Vegas. People go to Vegas anyway, right? right? Like that's a, They're mm-hmm. not only going because of the Super Bowl being there. So uh, it's, it's such a layered discussion. Scotty, when you think about this stadium idea, and it's four years away because they've still got a lease through 28, why right. now? Because it takes a long time to okay. build a stadium, right, and to figure all that out, right? I, I don't think it's I don't think the, you know, we're not at like a deadline situation where all this pressure mm-hmm. is and a decision needs to be made next week. But they've been talking about it for, you know, if I had to guess, at least two years. I know that the Haslam's talked about it. I mean, it comes up a lot, right? We, yeah. we don't talk to the Haslam's a lot, but every time we do, it comes up. Um, they talked about it in July, and they were frustrated in July when we talked to the mm-hmm. Greenbrier. They were frustrated by the lack of progress, not just with the stadium, but with the whole downtown situation. Um, so I think it's, okay, you have to deal with it now because if it gets to the point where now a decision has to be made, are they spending 700, I'm just throwing numbers up, mm-hmm. $700 million to renovate versus $1.2 billion to put a dome on, like that decision needs to be made, okay. right? Because it, it ends in 28 and you got to figure out where you're going to play. Scotty, I don't know if they've gotten this far or not. And the last question I'll give you on the stadium update anyway is did they rush to build that sucker, and is it an imperative to either build a new one? They've already made additions to it, but I don't right. know if they're good enough. I mean, it's not falling apart like Municipal Stadium was, but can it be enhanced, or in your opinion, would it have to be leveled? Well, here's the thing. I talked to somebody, and it was I think it was only last year at the conference, so about a year ago, mm-hmm. and the thought was that they could renovate Okay. And I think the Browns have been open about that being their preferred plan. Okay. I don't know if that's what they, I don't know if behind closed doors they prefer a new stadium, but that was the public stance. And it was 
they believed they could renovate. It would be extensive renovations. It would take years. They thought they could still play through it at the stadium. They weren't going to have to, you know, relocate for, you know, a couple of seasons or anything. So that was the original thought. Now, you know, I don't sit in the stands, so I couldn't tell you if the mm-hmm. concourses are crumbling. You know, yeah. I've been to a couple concerts there, but mm-hmm. like, I don't feel like it's. I don't feel like it's crumbling. You know, I've heard people say the opposite, and that they did rush it in '99. Yeah. To me, it's more about <laughs> it's more about money. Right. right? Like, yeah, I'm sure it needs renovations. I'm sure it needs upgrades. But everybody gets a new stadium. Like it's every 20 years. So yeah. Nashville's getting a new stadium. So mm-hmm. the Hasms want a new stadium, and you know, that's just how it works. And you know, I'm not saying that's right. And I'm sure the new stadium or renovations they would increase revenue and they'd increase loges and suites and all those things that are so important to owners. I don't think that necessarily means the stadium's unsafe to play in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You get a stadium. You get a stadium. We need Oprah Winfrey. That's what we need. Scott Petrak is our guest right now at brownzone.com. Scotty, every year we know that the uh, roster changes quite a bit, sometimes up to 20%, 30%, but the coaching changes, they go through a lot of changes as well. And the Browns this year, maybe one of our biggest is our offensive line coaches out, Callahan. You bring in a new guy, Andy Dickerson. And then, of course, we just heard, and I think you posted something about a new assistant line coach from Philadelphia. Tell us about these new coaches. Yeah, Andy Dickerson, you know, he's got a little bit of a background with Bill Callahan. Uh, was with him with the Jets at the start of Dickerson's career. Spent a couple years here, um, early in his career, working under Eric Mangini. One, side, one year on the defensive side, then on the offensive side as a low-level assistant. The last three years, I think with the Seahawks, Run game coordinator, then line coach. So, you know, he's 42, so he's, you know, not crazy young, but he's also youngish to the profession. Um, and then they pair him with Roy Isfan, who's like a 35 year coach, spent a lot of it in college, was an offense coordinator at different schools like Buffalo and Cornell and Rhode Island. And then with the Eagles the last few years, you know, the Eagles are good and they have been good offensively and they had a good offensive line. So he worked with guys like Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. Um, so I think they're pairing a younger guy with an older guy, which is a recipe that makes sense. They're keeping their number three guy in that room, Jonathan DeCoster. So you know, it's always going to be tough, to re- you know, to replace a guy like Bill Callahan. And I don't think you're going to get a guy that good, right? Because he's arguably the best in the business. So you find somebody you think you hope you can work with, you hope you get better, and that you think is solid, and that's what they believe they found with Dickerson. Scotty, last week we asked you about the new offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, comes back. He was with the team, then he was an offensive coordinator with the Buffalo Bills. But also, they bring along a tight ends coach, passing game specialist, in Tommy Reese. Now, I don't know if you've been following this or not, and I just read this about an hour ago, that Bill O'Brien is probably going to take the head coaching job at Boston College. I think it's a pretty much a done deal. If he goes, Tommy Reese might be in line to be offensive coordinator at The Ohio State for the Buckeyes. No, I think... That- I think this is legit. I think it's Chip Kelly. I so, think Chip Kelly's going to Ohio State. So then we don't have to worry about Tommy Rees bolting down to Columbus. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't. I mean, I saw a bunch of tweets talking about Chip Kelly going to Ohio State. I don't know if it's just rumors or it's a done deal, but um, I had not heard. Okay. Reese. I could see where that the dots would be connected there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Reese is a guy that you know hasn't spent much time in the NFL. He's been a Notre Dame guy. He was at Alabama last year. I think it's part of this. Okay, let's expand the like kind of the offensive okay. spectrum, right? It's you get a guy like Ken Dorsey that worked with Cam Newton and Josh 
Allen. You get a guy like Tommy Reese that has spent a lot of time in college, and maybe you bring some of those philosophies, um, some of those plays, some of those looks from college to the NFL because Kevin Stefanski is trying to expand what they can do on offense and cater to Deshaun Watson. I think it's a great idea. And to get a little bit, I don't want to call it a youth movement, but just some different ideas in there because shouldn't we be doing this anyway every four or five years? I mean, Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year twice now in what, five years? We haven't seen a coach here for five years for how long? Yeah, I mean, this is, he just finished four, so he's two for four right. coach of the years. Um, there hasn't been a coach. I mean, Romeo Cornell was four years. So next year, Kevin Stefanski will be the longest tenured since 99. Um, I think Belichick was five years, uh, from 91 yeah. to 95, I believe. Um, so Marty took over in 84, and he lasted to 88-ish, right? So okay. that's what you're getting to, right, those kind of guys. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's unusual. It's well overdue because the Browns had way too much turnover. But, yeah, I think you're right. I, it, you know, on one hand, you go, hey, Alex Van Pelt did a good job, and I think he did as coordinator. I, you can make an argument that new voices make sense, and you're trying to take that next step. So how do you take that next step? And if you believe you kind of maxed out what Alex Van Pelt can do for you and you haven't maxed out what Deshaun Watson can do for you, then I understand that decision. March 13th, I believe, is a free agency day. Um, and I can't remember last year, and that's I'm glad we have you on today, because Andrew Barry's approach in free agency – is he, like, real active, like, the first day in free agency? Yeah, he has been. And even when they say they're not going to be, mm-hmm. there's usually something. Like, last year, I know that Oboro Caranco was day one. Okay. Uh, you know, and it's weird nowadays, right, because you can mm-hmm. start negotiating with guys two days early. So if it opens March 13th, that means March 11th, and that's when you get the agreements. Okay. Right? You, get them, you, don't, you don't have to wait till mm-hmm. the 13th. So if my memory serves is Oboro Caranco the first day, I think it was Dalvin Tomlinson. I think it was Juan Thornhill. It's not the okay. first day within the first couple of days. So even when even when they're not going to go hog wild, let's say they still make moves early because you know if, if there's a if there's a position where you're going to spend some money, you better do it early because that's when all the good guys go. That's interesting too because we know they've only got eight draft picks, and the first pick is in the second round. I think it's like number fifty-four or something. Is there a target? I mean, is there a position you'd like to see them take if they don't get maybe a wide receiver on the first day of free agency, and you wait till the draft and you get somebody at fifty-four? Yeah, to me, you a couple of those. Right, a couple free agency with the draft, and I think it's receiver, and I, I think it's defensive line. Those okay. are the two areas. You know, do you bring back Zedary Smith at end? Do you trust Okoronkwo and Alex Wright to be your two and three? I don't know. I feel like, you know, Jim Schwartz relies so much on that defensive line. You probably want either Smith back or someone in that vein. Mm-hmm. Defensive tackle. You got Thomason back, but you might lose Jordan Elliott and Maurice Hurst to second and Shelby Harris are all free agents. They're eligible to be free agents. So I, I think it's receiver and D line will be the two areas to focus on. Scotty, would they be able to afford to bring back Zadarius Smith? Yeah, I mean, I think they can do, I think they can make enough space, enough salary cap space, and that's what Andrew Barry says. The question is, you know, I think Zadarius Smith was upward of $10 million this year. Mm-hmm. You know, do they think that he was worth that? And do they, you know, is he going to command that somewhere else? Or, you know, could you get him for eight? You know, like, mm-hmm. to me, that's, that's a bargain. If you probably got him for the same money, you'd probably do it. Um, 
but they, they structured the contract when they traded for him so that he could hit the free agency again. So okay. I don't know exactly what the market will be with him, but I, I do think whether it's Smith or somebody else, they'll bring in an end. And that doesn't mean it'll be day one, right? Maybe mm-hmm. they wait like they did with Clowney that one year, right? Both years, actually. Clowney was later in the process. Maybe that's how they address end. Um, but I would expect them to bring in an end. Um, you know, maybe they draft them, right? Maybe okay. that's what they do with the second-round pick. But I think end, tackle, and receiver at the top of the list. Do you expect when they start throwing around these numbers, they have to rework Deshaun and Amari Cooper before they can start spending on some of these free agents? At some point, they probably have to restructure someone. Okay. Whether it's Watson again, you know, I don't know if it'll be him. I mean, he's already at like sixty-four million in cap space for the next couple of years, or it might be the next three years. Cooper, the tricky part, Cooper is, you know, he's gonna. I think he's gonna be thirty. Mm-hmm. And if you if you redo it, if, if you restructure and you add years to ah. it, then you're getting a guy that's going to be in his mid thirties. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so maybe just let him let it ride and pay him twenty million this year. And okay. um, but there's other guys that you can restructure. Like they okay. have enough flexibility. I just don't know which player it would be. It's a great point. Super Bowl Fifty Eight is Sunday night. I mean, who are you who are you taking, Scotty? Who are you liking this game? Yeah, I think it's gonna be a great game. Um, I'm going Kansas. I picked against Mahomes in the championship game and mm-hmm. wrong. Um, I, I'm gonna go Kansas City twenty seven. San Francisco 26. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be close. And I think there will be maybe more points than people think. Just because, you know, I know Kansas City's defense is so good against the Ravens. Um, but Kyle Shanahan's really good. Right? So like, right. I, I feel like both teams are going to score. And the reason I'm giving the edge to Kansas City is as good as Purdy is, Mahomes is better. And as good a play caller as Kyle Shanahan is, I think Andy Reid's better. So that's what I'm going to go with the Chiefs. It's amazing. I'm kind of leaning that way myself. I'm going to give my selection a little bit later on in the program. And Scotty, always appreciate your time, man. You break it down better than anyone. And what's going to be the next big story? I mean, every week it's like, well, we didn't have anything this week. No, we're going to move. No, we're not. We're going to rebuild. <laughs> I mean, what's what's next? That's a good question. I don't know. Right? We had the four. I don't know. Awesome. I don't know what next week is. We got the combine coming in about three weeks. So maybe we'll have a little time. Perfect, Scotty. Have a great weekend, man. Go out and hit him straight. All right. Thanks, bud. He's the greatest. Scotty Petrak, brownzone.com.